Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Anthony. And I'm Alex. And my first story today is, I'm going to call it World News. Because it's about the Guinness Book of World Records. Hey, okay. Which just recently published their 2019 version of the new records from this year, which they're calling the 2019 version. Sure, okay. Um, it's like a car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know why they do these things. It's the f- just it's, to make it seem like it's from the future. Yeah, I guess. But like, why? Know. It's not like people, the people that are going to buy this book are not going to not buy it because... It says 2018? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> HuffPost posted an article highlighting some of the strange and fun entries in there. So I just wanted to like share those with you because <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> so um, here's some highlight things from the Guinness Book of World Records this year. All right. Longest time controlling a soccer ball with the soles of your shoes while on the roof of a moving car. <laughs> and it was for 93 seconds. I was going to say, I hope you were going to tell me how long. Yeah, 93 seconds. Wow, that's impressive. I don't think I could right? do that just like lying on my back in a field. <laughs> right. It, it, and then there's a picture of it, too. It was a person on their back on the roof of a moving car with a soccer ball up on their feet. Like, how do you even do that? Hmm. Okay, that's the first one. Okay. Uh, longest duration balancing a guitar on the forehead uh-huh. for seven minutes and 3.9 seconds. Okay. And the picture of that one was like, not probably what you're thinking of, like, you know, on its side. It was, the, it was like, like the long ways, like the, the, the short, the small end of the guitar was on the guy's forehead. Okay. I was going to say, that I, make don't, sense? <laughs> I don't know what the ends of the guitar are called. So I like was the, the, oh my gosh, what's it yeah, called? No, Fretz, it's, yeah, no, it's, you know, that. Yeah. That part. That part yeah. was on the guy's forehead up, and the guitar was just, like, up. Hmm. Like, it didn't make physical sense. Like, I didn't understand. Well, for the description, it seems like he made it harder than he needed to. Yeah, apparently. Could like, I just, like, I put probably it still flat counted. ways on my, <laughs> on my forehead and just leave it there for a while and say, hey, I beat your record? They need to get you more probably specific, can. I guess. You probably can't. I don't yeah. know. Um, most dice balanced on a cat's paw. <laughs> And it was nine dice. <laughs> Before the cat said, what, stop, <laughs> what is happening? Please stop this. That's a lot. Yeah, the cat was still for all of that time. My, like, my cat would not allow one, one die. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I know your cat. Yeah. He wouldn't. He wouldn't. No. Do that. I feel like most cats wouldn't. Yeah. Well, especially, especially not mine. Okay. Most powdered donuts eaten in one minute. And it was nine donuts. No, I don't usually eat powdered donuts, but that seems low to that me. That seems real low. Like, it's like, I feel like I've eaten that many before in less than a minute. Just, <laughs> right? That was really my good. thought, too. But maybe it's just because they're like the powder Is makes it like it, a full your mouth size really powdered dry. donut? Like a, I assume it's like a, like a full-size yeah. donut, not like the mini ones. The mini yeah. one, oh, the mini ones I could eat way oh, okay. more you than You know, nine. like a full-size powdered donut. Yeah, but still, I feel like nine like in a minute. nine in a minute? So you'd have to eat... I mean, that's less than one every ten seconds. That's... That's okay, I guess it's a lie. You're to right. shove an entire You're donut right. in your mouth and like chew and swallow. So presumably, if you think of ten seconds. Yeah, if you could eat, like, could you eat two donuts in less than twenty seconds? Yes, 
probably. So I, then I you could, probably I could, could do this record. I could probably make myself <laughs> eat two donuts in 20 seconds. I don't. I feel like I would probably can get that full. extrapolate. Yeah, to... I, I don't. I don't. I think there's diminishing returns. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so if you could just eat 10 donuts in 60 seconds. Yeah. You could beat this record. It feels like one I that feels like one I have a shot at. I don't want to try. I think we should. You don't want to try. No, it sounds. I feel like I I would end up (laughs) immediately regretting it. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Okay. So that was one. Um, And then the last one I had was fastest fifty meter time done while skating on hands. This was like (laughs) they put they put rollerblades on their hands and were doing a handstand on rollerblades and then skated for fifty meters and they did it in eight point five five seconds. Wow. So yeah, pretty fast. See, like I I have so. trouble skating with any speed regular style. <laughs> yeah, and this person did it on their hands. And after a couple of minutes, my shins start hurting so bad I just oh, want to really? stop. Yeah. I don't think I'm doing oh. it right. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been doing it right. Maybe maybe they're not like tight enough, your skates. Maybe. I don't know, I haven't skated in a long time. Yeah. I I don't because that's that's what always happens to me. I broke my wrist twice when I was a kid oh. skating. And then my parents were like, you're not allowed to do this anymore. And so I like, just stopped doing it. Yeah, that's that's fair. <laughs> the costs start well, to outweigh the benefits. Well, I should have been benefits. really like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. It, it's hard. That that seems like pretty difficult to that do. That seems I mean, like a really like good way to break your wrist. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> this way, yeah, I think so. Um, so really quick before I finish, um, I looked up. I don't know if you remember that story from a few weeks ago where about the guy that did the uh, the watermelon slicing yeah. and set a record. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, so that guy has like his own website about all the records that he set <laughs> because he has the record for most Guinness World <laughs> Records. And I tried to look up like if he had any new ones in this version, but I didn't find it. It's mm-hmm. either not posted or he did. I'm sure he did something. I mean, it's like what he does is like do something, but I yeah. couldn't find it. So I was looking for that. That guy's name is Ashrita Furman. He like has tons of records, like over 200 or something. Crazy. Record, record of records. So, but yeah, so if you're That's interested, fun. you can get a copy on Amazon. <laughs> Brought to you by the Guinness Book of World Records. And Amazon, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about that, but I guess so. <laughs> or wherever books are sold. All right, first story I brought, I'm going to go ahead and call Random Local News. This is from upnorthlive.com. So that's how you know it's random local. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Man credited with discovering glowing Uperlite rocks in Michigan. So I don't know how familiar you are with Michigan and like has the Upper Peninsula. And like there's a term like Uper, I think is for people that are from that area. Oh, I did not know that term. It's like saying upper in a strange way. Sorry, oh, okay. sorry, Michigan listeners. I'm proud. I don't know if I'm I'm butchering your lore, <laughs> um, <laughs> but a man in Michigan's Upper Peninsula is being credited with discovering a new kind of rock in Michigan. His name is Eric Rintamaki, and he has been what he calls a rock hound his whole life. So he's a rock enthusiast, I guess. Okay. Um, last year, he decided to hit a beach at night with a UV light and came home with what he calls uperlites, or rocks that have a, an orange glow under certain UV lights. So you hold like a UV light over these rocks and they glow orange. And there's oh. pictures in the article and they look really, really cool. Um, Uberlite is a is a name that Eric came up with. But geologists say that they are a type of cyanite rock um, that's rich in fluorescent sodalite, 
which they believe was brought down from Canada by glaciers. And he's not the first one to discover these glowing rocks, but he was the first to bring them to geologists who verified for the first time that there is sodalite in Michigan. So he made a discovery of sorts. Whoa. Um, and he's also turned it into a business. He's collected do- he's <laughs> oh. collected dozens of these uperlites, and he sells them, sells them for $32 a pound, which rocks are pretty heavy, so that's probably a decent... A decent uh, yeah. amount he's doing. He said he's sold them all over the world at this point. Oh, really? Uh, and he's also started taking people on tours in the area where guests get a UV light and they get to keep all of the Uber lights that they find. Oh, that's fun. Which is cool, but I guess... Except in like a few years, they'll all be gone. Right. And also, is that legal? I mean, I, I guess like... as, long as, you're not, as long as you're not in a national park or something, it's probably fine. Yeah. Is it like his property or is he just going to like some I don't know. It's public a public property? It, they're apparently it. found... Like on the shore of Lake Erie or Lake Superior, so I don't. Uh, it's probably it seems r- weird. Like I'm sure he probably has some type of legal permission to do this. Otherwise, like hopefully, or else the <laughs> up north live just called him out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so did we. <laughs> Sorry, Eric. <laughs> but that's so cool. Like I've yeah, never, I've never heard seen of anything going... like this, and I'm really so. Are they in Canada too? Like what the glacier? It said that the glacier brought it down from. There's a picture. Whoa! They're really pretty. And they're only a, under a certain light that they glow like that, but they're they look Whoa, like that's crazy. Kind of like a fluorescent, um, like a glow stick almost. Yeah. But in rock form. Yeah. And it's really cool. I recommend looking at the article. There's a video where they show several of them. That's cool. Yeah, it is. It's like an orange glow stick. Yeah. <laughs> But in rock form. I want some of those. But I don't know if I want to pay $35 I know, a pound that's the or thing. whatever. It's like, it I was. Guess I'll, I don't, but I also don't want to go all the way to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. It's not really that far from here, if you think it's about a, it. It's, a lit, it's pretty far. But like, compared, like if we lived in like California, I'd be like well, really far. Well, yeah. <laughs> we live in Ohio, so this it's like. True. Ah. But the Upper Peninsula, <laughs> it's like, it's upper. It's like I guess a, that's true. We, it's like, way up. The way to get there is kind of a long way because you have to go all the way around like the lakes. Eerie. Yeah. Like you can't. It's like up through. Yeah. Or, yeah. Cause there's like two lakes in between, right? Wait a minute. I don't know. <laughs> Do I know the I map don't. of the great lakes? Cause I think you'd have to go to all the way to the left of Lake Erie and then up Lake Michigan, like Lake, Lake Michigan is up there. I don't know. I, I sorry. Don't, just like I'm sorry. To the, left, did... to the left of Lake Erie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a geologist. Wait, no. Who? No. I'm not a cartographer. For some reason, I was going to say topographer, and I'm like, that's not the right word either. That's a very I'm specific a... type of cartographer that just draws like the the elevation lines on that. <laughs> okay, my next segment is a science slash health news. And the headline is, Infectious Theory of Alzheimer's Disease Draws Fresh Interest. So this is from NPR, and it's basically just about some new research that's going on into the, like, cause of Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. So Dr. Leslie Norens, who's an MD-PhD, is currently investigating the possibility of Alzheimer's being caused by a microbe or an infection, which is, like, a, a new kind of, like, avenue of research. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of, it has new interest. Well, I'll go into some details, but... okay. So a lot of money has been spent on Alzheimer's research for years, but until very recently, not much of it has gone towards investigating 
infection as a possible cause. Um, but apparently this theory has actually been present in scientific literature for a while, um, just very kind of like scattered. Mm-hmm. Um, and after reading through a lot of the medical literature on Alzheimer's, Dr. Norin saw a pattern, and he said it appeared that many of the reported characteristics of Alzheimer's disease were compatible with an infectious process. And he said, I thought for sure this must have already been investigated because millions and millions of dollars have been spent on Alzheimer's research, (laughs) but apparently that wasn't true. So um, last year, Norens launched uh, the Alzheimer's Germ Quest Incorporated, which is a public benefit corporation that he hopes will drive interest into this germ theory of Alzheimer's. And he's offered a prize of $1 million to the person who can clarify whether the disease is caused by a germ. Wow. And it's his own money. Like, he's just, like, funding this as, like, a research. That's that's pretty awesome of him. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, from a white paper that he wrote, uh, he says, From a two-year review of the scientific literature, I believe it's now clear that just one germ, identity not yet specified and possibly not yet discovered, causes most AD. That's short for Alzheimer's disease. Mm -hmm. I'm calling it the Alzheimer's germ. Okay. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Not the best name, but sure. That's what he wanted. Um. So some example of literature supporting this theory includes, uh, first, a 2010 article in the Journal of Neurosurgery that showed that neurosurgeons die from Alzheimer's at a sevenfold higher rate than they do from other disorders. Really? Yeah. Isn't that weird? That's, yeah, that's a lot to be like like, a coincidence. Yeah, right. Um, And then there's another study also from 2010 that was published in the Journal of American Geriatric Society, which found that people whose spouses have dementia are at a six-time greater risk for the condition themselves, huh. which is another, like... Wait, is that... That's weird. Dementia and yeah, Alzheimer's Yeah, I know. It said dementia. That's... It is. It is different. Um, but I think they, like, they have some, like, related... Okay. Um, well, some symptoms are uh, similar. Yeah. Just the pathology is different. Interesting. But they okay. still don't really know, like, the causes of right. them. And it's... Um, yeah, this didn't. It did say dementia for that one. Like, it didn't go into the details of like what the differences are. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just don't want to conflate them. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You're right. That's a good um, distinction to make. Um, so the classic pathology of Alzheimer's specifically is the buildup of amyloid protein in the brain, um, and there's some evidence now that this buildup may actually be an immune response to some type of infection. Um, there's not a lot of evidence, but there's like a specific person they were interviewing in this article that has done like research into this, that like Uh that could be what actually it is. Um, and I'm kind of glossing over this, like the article spends a lot of time going into a lot of like scientific detail of that. And I'm not going to like go into all the detail of that, but basically this is a theory that has evidence supporting it, that there could be something causing an infection and the body's response to it is to have like build up these proteins in your brain. And then there, it like, has this chain reaction that leads to inflammation that is ultimately what causes the damage that causes the like oh, disease symptoms. Okay. So it's this so like chain reaction, yeah. a bunch of things. See, that makes more sense. Like why we wouldn't have considered that. Cause we were looking at farther down steps in the chain. If yes. this is the cause. It, yeah. We if were... it were true, we were looking at these like side effects of that mm-hmm. without knowing like why, cause everyone in the scientific community knows that like people with Alzheimer's have this amyloid protein. Right. In their brain. But they don't know like why it's there, you know? And mm-hmm. so then there's theories like, okay, well, maybe that's what's causing it. So maybe if we just reduce that, then it will like help with the disease. But then like, why is that there in the first place? It's still right. like, a lot of this unknown okay. thing. So, huh. That's really fascinating. Yeah. So I, I thought that was super interesting. And then 
Earlier this year, in collaboration with Dr. Norens, the Infectious Diseases Society of America announced that they plan to offer two $50,000 grants supporting um, research into microbial association with Alzheimer's disease. And according to Norens, this is the first acknowledgement by a leading infectious disease group that Alzheimer's may be microbial in nature, or that at least it's worth exploring. So it's like the first time that like a huge grant by a society has been established for like that research specifically. Wow. So. All right. Like that's that's it's gonna pick up hopefully so yeah <laughs> I, cool. I mean it affects so many people you've got to explore every possibility I know I know and it's just like I don't know I find it really interesting that like how much money has been put into Alzheimer's research and mm-hmm. it's still like taking a really long time to figure out and like I know you know everyone's working really hard and people are exploring all these different avenues but it's such a complicated disease that it's taken so much effort to like make progress in it and right. just every avenue we can explore I think is beneficial yeah for sure so awesome yeah i thought that was super interesting yeah good luck to the researchers i mean you might find something really awesome or at the very least get a million dollars (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right my next story is business news this is reported by the verge Uh, and it's it's interesting that our show is brought to you brought to you by amazon today (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, the headline is Amazon will sell live seven foot Christmas trees this year. What? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I know. So I know it's way too early to be talking about Christmas, but it's, also that. it's inevitable. What? Like, and uh, Before so Halloween, I'll try Anthony, to, really? I'll try to, I'll try to keep, keep a, keep it as unchristmassy as possible and <laughs> stick to the business. Uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> But Amazon will be selling and delivering seven-foot Christmas trees to customers this holiday sh- season, and they will uh, they will be eligible for prime shipping. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that was so funny. I'm like, it's like two days before Christmas. I need a Christmas tree now. <laughs> I, need, I need a Christmas tree stat. <laughs> uh, Amazon will start selling the trees sometime in November, uh, letting buyers pick between Douglas firs, Norfolk Island pines, and other options. A seven-foot uh, Fraser fir, which was which is sourced from a North Carolina farm, will go for one hundred fifteen dollars. So that's kind of the price range you're probably looking at. Okay. The trees will ship in a large box. All right. Unsurprisingly, uh, but there's nothing else included in the box. Like there's no water or anything to keep it alive longer in there. They will be sent out within ten days of being cut down. So Amazon's assuming that they'll make it through the shipping process fine, which. I think it makes sense because, like, you leave it in your living room and it stays fine for a while. Right. I grew up with a fake tree. Yeah. So I don't really know how to take care of a live tree or like. Yeah, we did. We did. We did a live tree most years. Okay. Um, I don't think we actually stopped until I was like in college. So. Really. We had a lot of live trees. They're very messy. Um, Yeah, that's what I've heard. And you, I mean, I think you usually put them in a little water, but. The fake trees are a lot easier to take care of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Amazon actually sold smaller live Christmas trees in 2017, but this is the first time they're selling full-size ones through the mail. Cool. And uh, there's this organization that I'd never heard of called the National Christmas Tree Association, uh, which told the Associated Press that they're not really worried about the online competition because consumers really like the tradition of going out and picking their tree from like an actual tree farm if they're going to go live. Uh, web orders only accounted for between one and 2% of the 27 million trees that were sold last year. Wow. So this is one area where online retail has not exactly 
uh, taken over yet. Yeah. But uh, it's with Amazon now selling them. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> if you're still going with the, going the Amazon live free Prime. route. But I, well, yeah, I've only ever kept a, a fake one in my house. I will say, as someone who is used to the fake tree, if I were to consider getting a live tree, I think I would kind of like having it delivered because then you don't have to worry about the transportation. The transportation's part of it. the big part. Yeah. Like, we, I think we it always still had be fun some to kind like, of large vehicle for right. So if you don't them, have that so. vehicle, it's like how do you right. like if you don't have an appropriate vehicle, how do you transport it? That's kind of annoying. Yeah. But if you can take that stuff out of it, then I think it's still fun to like set it up and do yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, for sure. And it, they smell really so. nice. Like that's yeah. definitely the biggest advantage of the live tree is they smell so good. Maybe I'll think about it, but I don't know. It's I'm an, op- it's an option now. They're so easy and like... Yeah, I know. <laughs> the one that we have is pre-lit too. Oh, mine too. <laughs> so you just like <laughs> set it up and then you like put the ornaments on and stuff and it's still fun to set right. up, but it's not like... You get all the tradition you know? with none of the hassle. Right. So... And then you just put it in a box and use the same one again. You don't have to pay again every year, so... Right. And just spray some pine scent in your house right. or something. <laughs> <laughs> you can put like scented pine sticks on it. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's not the same, but it's something. <laughs> I mean, the lights the lights on mine are automatic. Uh, you can switch between white and colored and like alternating between the two. So oh, that's nice. Like, you have a lot of options. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see why I would ever switch back, but it's an option to get it delivered. This now. episode brought to you by fake Christmas trees. And also and Amazon. And also Amazon. Amazon. If you like live Christmas trees, I don't know. But they also sell fake Christmas trees, so <laughs> they're just so they just got just their Amazon. hands in every bit of the market. Isn't that like Amazon's motto of life? Like, let's just our, enter we've got every our hands market. In every market. <laughs> we've got our hands in every bit of the market. There's no escaping us, Amazon. <laughs> oh. My next segment is food news. And this is also from NPR. And the headline is food safety scares are up in 2018. Here's, oh no. no, but wait, but wait. Here's why you shouldn't freak out. Oh, okay. Good. That's the headline. Whew, and I, just... I saw this story and I was like, I have to do this because we keep reporting about all these food contamination things. And this article was really good. Um, And basically the summary of it is that the technology that we have today to detect dangerous microbes is a lot better compared to even like five years ago. And if you compare to, you know, even longer before that, like our ability to detect things just keeps increasing and getting better and better. So the detection rate for things keeps rising. That's the summary. So really we should freak out about the past when we were probably eating contaminated (laughs) things all the time and not realizing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Good to know. Um, So I have a couple of examples. So one is that, the test used to detect cyclospora, which was the thing in the recent McDonald's salad outbreak, mm-hmm. that test wasn't even approved by the FDA until 2014. Oh, wow. So that's like a really new test. And before that test was a thing, if you were sick, your doctor had to specifically suspect cyclospora as the cause and order a specific test just for that pathogen. And mm. it required a visual inspection of a stool sample. It was like oh, not geez. a good test at all. So now that we have this new one, it's like, you can get a result in one or two hours and it, and it actually, it's like a test for multiple things and the cyclospore is one of them. And like the, that test didn't even, wasn't even approved until 2014. So it's like wow. certain things like that. Um, Science is cool. Yeah. And then another uh, 
example that they had was a new technology called, or relatively new technology called whole genome sequencing, which is used to match specific strains of a pathogen um, and can be used to more accurately link cases to their source. So like if you have some, like a sample from like a source, like a salad bag or something, and then you have a sample from a person that was sick, you can match them up really accurately now. Oh, and before this so technology can, was not they, as like confident. So they can easily trace yeah. sources. Yeah, and things, they can yeah. also link like people, like if 10 people come forward and they're all sick with like, the same thing, they can mm-hmm. see which ones of them have like the same strain. Okay. Because there can be like different strains of the thing. So yeah, so basically what that lets you do is you can figure out like the source of the contamination a lot easier and faster. Um, and then I have a quote here. The advantage of whole genome sequencing is that it gives us a lot more information when we're trying to tell whether an organism we isolate from a food is the same exact organism that we isolate from the individuals who became ill, said Edward Dudley, an associate professor of food science at Penn State. Um, and in, in outbreak, scientists are looking for a direct match between those two samples. Um, so basically, in conclusion of this article, NPR polled several food experts, and they all had similar sentiments that food is not any less safe today than it has been in the past. And if anything, it's more safe, even though we keep seeing all these like outbreaks and recalls this year. Um, and they're just saying that like our detection technology is just better. We're just catching things so we can actually act on them as right. opposed to not catching them. Yeah, exactly. And they also mentioned that some of the recalls that happened this year were out of an abundance of caution. And like there were certain products that were recalled without anyone actually getting sick because the companies mm-hmm. were just like vigilant about that stuff. Right. Um, but they did state at the end of the article that, of course, there's still plenty of room for improvement when it comes to food safety, <laughs> um, because right now the CDC estimates that about one in six people get a foodborne illness every year. Wow. Which is kind of high. That's really high. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like... I'm trying to think of how many times know. I've had something from food. Well, see, the thing is, it's hard because I've gotten like a stomach thing before, but you don't know if it's from something you ate or just that's something true. that like you just caught like a stomach bug. Yeah. Like, I think that's what makes it hard because probably a lot of people do get these and they just like, and it like passes after a couple of days and you just are like, Oh, I got some type of like stomach. Yeah. I just had a bug. It's like, how do you know when it's a food born illness versus like that's you just true. got sick? Yeah. It's very hard to tell the difference unless you, you know, go in and get the test for it. So, right. Anyway. Yeah. So I just wanted to say all that stuff because <laughs> I just feel like we were, we've reported on like five, at least five different things that have happened <laughs> since we started this podcast, just like a few months ago. Yeah. So, um, I thought that was a good, like kind that of explanation is... of why there's been an uptick in that stuff. Yeah. That's good to know. It makes me feel a little better. Yeah, me too. All right. My next story is science news. I guess it could also be like rock news i don't know that's probably too specific rock music or rock like, like rocks i'm having a very rocks? rock heavy episode oh, yeah. this time <laughs> you had um, another rock story this is yeah this is my second rock story uh this was reported by npr uh, mother load of gold found in australian mine oh yeah some of the shiny stuff so miner Henry Dole was surprised when he went into the Beta Hunt mine in southwestern Australia after the workers set off some explosives. He started watering down the dust that had settled and discovered that there was gold just about everywhere in this uh, where they had set off Whoa. the explosives. Uh, Canadian mine owner RNC Minerals says the fine from a single cut in the mine includes about 9,250 ounces of high-grade gold which at today's price is worth about $11 million. Whoa. All in one cut of this mine. Whoa. 
the amount of gold that's found that was found was impressive, but so is the size of some of the stones that were found. One of them weighs uh, more than 200 pounds <gasps> and contains about 2,440 ounces of gold. It's a giant gold nugget. And there's another large one that's at nearly 140 pounds and contains about 1,620 ounces of gold, which is big, but also, it's just not as impressive as the 200-pound one. Uh, and it's, mining experts say that it's really unusual to find so many large chunks of gold in one place. It's more typical to find pieces so small that you need a microscope to actually see them. Whereas yeah. like these are, the 200-pound one they said required three people to lift into, into a truck. <laughs> Whoa. And it's it's really surprising that they found this in this mine because this particular mine is actually focused primarily on nickel mining, not on huh. gold. All <laughs> so right. they just <laughs> they just happened to dig a little deeper in this mine and found this giant uh That's this giant patch of gold. Uh, and the gold has been transferred to the Perth Mint, according to RNC Minerals. But RNC pr- uh, President Mark Selby told ABC News that some of the largest stones will be auctioned off separately to collectors of large gold nuggets, <laughs> which is apparently a hobby you can get into oh. if you have a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently. So the first thought I had when you were mentioning these giant gold nuggets was that they could make it into a giant like necklace and then put it in a museum and then make a movie about someone stealing it. <laughs> a giant 200-pound necklace. <laughs> like the Pink Panther, except it would be like the gold lion or something. <laughs> like a giant <laughs> gold jewelry or something. That was my first thought. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just curious what a like a gold collector does with do they just have this giant nugget of gold do they do something with it that's a good question i don't know i guess we'd have to ask a gold collector yeah i don't know any gold collectors i don't either yeah um they said it's a, they said it's a very select group of people <laughs> that they would even have at these auctions so it's like five people five like the people same are people. like i'm really into gold just just thought i'd come and check I'm out i'm sure that's how they talk this, <laughs> just thought i'd check out this uh, gold I'm, um, uh, i thought i'd check hi. this out i'm i'm gold really into gold i'm gold Gold guy number one. Um, Hi, I'm I'm gold guy number two. Um, We sound about the same. (laughs) Yeah, I was copying your voice. It's fine. (laughs) Anthony, guess what? What? It's time for breaking news. (gasps) I need to stop doing that. No, it's okay. It's never surprising. (laughs) I know exactly exactly when it comes. Well, breaking news is the part of the show where Anthony and I look up news stories that were just posted today and we read them to you on the fly. Ready? Set. Go! Go! All right. So the story I found is from Winnipeg, Canada. Ooh, exotic. (laughs) Um, A man there has won two lotteries in five months. For a total of $3.5 million. Oh, my gosh. Did you get a fortune cookie? He won won a $2 million lottery. No, wait. I'm sorry. Wait. No. He won a $1.5 million lottery and then continued to play the lottery and then won $2 million (laughs) again. Um, Wow. Yeah. And it says he now plans to buy a business such as a gas station or a car wash and go back to school. Well, that's, that's nice. Um... Apparently, he is a 28-year-old African immigrant, um, and he wants to improve his English and communication um, and just, you know, have a business and, you know, 
That's to awesome. Establish what yourself a, with the money. So. What a great way to to start your time, right? Like. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was the whole story. Okay. The- <laughs> we do like we do like the lottery winners here. Yeah, like how do you win? You find twice. a fortune cookie that says whatever says that what? fortune cookie said before. <laughs> he won twice with over a million dollars both times. Yeah. In less than six months. Like that's, what that's some serious actually are luck. the chances of that? Like probably that's very one low. in well the normal lottery chances are like one in like over a billion, isn't mm-hmm. it? Something like that. And they're independent events. Hold on. I took a stats class. Uh, you have to multiply it. Is that the math? Yeah. Okay. You actually take the denominator and you multiply it. Hmm. So the chances right. of someone doing this is like, well, okay, hold on. If if it's like two in a row, if it's two in a row, it's like, right. if it was like one over a billion, I think it's like one billion times one billion to do two in a row. Okay. But I don't know how it works if you've, because if you've bought like a lottery ticket every week and then like six months later you win again. Right. I don't know. It's, I'm sure it's a very small It's number. like 20 <laughs> in like a billion players, some crazy <laughs> high number. Anyway, I th- I'm pretty sure that's how the math works. I could be wrong, I guess, but it's but been a while. But We're not yeah. math scientists. It's a lot. <laughs> we're not mathinists. <laughs> I love making up words like that. <laughs> I know they're wrong. <laughs> but... Don't add us. All right. Story that I found. Homecoming queen makes game-winning kick on the football field. How awesome is that? That so, is awesome. Uh, her name is Kaylee Foster. She goes to Ocean Springs High School in Ocean Springs, Mississippi. And she's been playing football uh, since middle school and has continued to play through high school. And just before the, the homecoming game, she was named homecoming queen as well. That's awesome. <laughs> so she ended up she ended up kicking two field goals and the game winning point after a touchdown. So wow. like not only was she named the queen, she was also the like MVP of the night. <laughs> like that is That's amazing. That's so cool. <laughs> and I really like this quote from her. When they asked her whether she was more nervous about the homecoming queen announcement or before she made the kick, she said, I was pretty sure I wasn't going to be homecoming queen, but I was pretty sure I was gonna make that kick. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's awesome. She sounds really cool. And uh, her coach, Ryan Ross, says he's very proud of her and the entire team and says he wants to see if he wants to check the whole country and see if this has ever happened before, which it probably hasn't. Yeah. And uh, her, her case is pretty unique, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. So what a cool night for her. Yeah. That's so fun. Yeah, I thought so, too. All right. Well, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday. And as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and all those other services. And uh, you can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash news and on Twitter at, at News. All right. See you next week, everyone. Bye. Bye. If we ever do a live show, I want to come out with a cello playing. Do you know cello? No, but I'll figure it out. Or like a bass or something. 
I'll just rent one. And then and then you can come out and start scanning. None of it none of it is actually the theme. Anything is scat. <laughs>